after these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of After These Messages, a podcast where we talk about commercials. I don't know why I'm laughing. We talk about the good ones, we talk about the bad ones, and we talk about the ones where people say weird shit like this. I look forward to seeing you on Pandora. Well, not take My name is Andrew Walsh. I apparently have the giggles. I'm here with my girlfriend and co-host, Genevieve Has. Hey, Genevieve. Hey, Andrew. So, did you catch the Oscars? You know I didn't. No, because we lived together and I didn't watch it, nor did we did watch a Rockford file, though, I think when the Oscars were on. Yeah. I say uh, us won, Oscars nothing. We could have watched eight Rockford files in the time it took other people to watch one edition of the Oscars. You and I, let's just get it out of the way. We're not huge fans of the Oscar ceremony. You know, I it's don't know, not for us. I don't know what changed for me though because for years I was just normal about the Oscars. Like I I would go to Oscar parties if I didn't have a, you know, if I if I wasn't going to somebody's house to watch it as an event, I would stay, you know, I would watch it at home. Um and now I don't know, I've just become I think as with every passing year of my life, with each year that I'm closer to death, um, I find more and more things that normal people like, and I just hate them. Well, See also the Olympics. Again, you're you're getting closer and closer to death, so your time is more precious. And handing over eight hours of your life to watch a bunch of people try to cram in a bunch of boring thank yous in 30 I, seconds. I think it's the circle jerkiness of it that oh, really yeah. drives me crazy. It's like, here are the, the wealthiest, most beautiful, most fetid people um, in the on the planet. And they are, you know, they're just, they're so proud of themselves for like being able to show up and, and tell each other how awesome they are. <laughs> right. Do you think that part I of... I know I sound like Mike Huckabee, by yeah. the way. <laughs> um, well, anyway, uh, putting aside our own distaste for the Oscars, um, it turns out that we either need to start watching them or we need to start doing a different podcast because <laughs> the Oscars are becoming... We managed to miss both the, the Super Bowl and, and the, the Oscars. Oscars this year. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, uh, yeah, the Oscars are becoming a huge place for debuting commercials, um, and uh, second only to the Super Bowl. More on that uh, in a little bit. So uh, I noticed that during the Oscars, while we were watching the Rockford Files, our Facebook page was blowing up with people commenting on the commercials they were seeing. So we're going to read some of your comments today and uh, dig into some of these. The good thing about living in the modern age is we didn't have to watch the Oscars. I got um, I got all the commercials right here. Nothing's ever gone with none of the bad jokes written off of uh read off of uh off of uh, cue cards so we're gonna do that today i the think the oscars minus 100 percent of the kimmel i think that we should call the today show oscars the grouch just based on this <laughs> intro if anybody is still listening because i think probably most people in our audience probably love the oscars so sorry about that yeah this is one where i won't really defend myself yeah. other than to say i find it like viscerally distasteful yeah i was trying to tell luke on tbtl that i yeah i don't want to go too hard on it like like i say it's not for us but i get irritated when i'm into the super bowl right and 99 percent of my twitter and facebook feed is super bowl related and there's always one person who's kind of like oh guess i gotta get offline for the next four <laughs> hours football stupid arms crossed and i'm just kind of like listen like that's fine you don't have to watch it either and yeah i guess just put your phone down for a while but like you don't have to throw a fit about it i'm the same way with the oscars like we're being a little bit curmudgeonly here at the top, but I don't think anybody's like dumb for liking the Oscars. No, whereas I, I, think I tweeted think- one one anti mildly anti Oscar tweet, and that was it. Like I didn't. I'm not telling anybody that you're dumb for liking it. Right. I'm glad that you enjoy it. I'm almost a little bit jealous because I love event television. I love the idea of everybody being on the same page and commenting online and reacting to each other. I love event television. For some reason, though, just watching um, kind of acceptance speeches and that kind of stuff just puts my teeth. 
on edge. So it's not for me. Uh, but we will go over some of the commercials that aired. And, um, of course, we'll check in with you guys, the ad council. Anything standing out to you, Vives, that you want to tease? Well, uh, just that we had a, a we asked for you to submit your own portmanteaus that you've noticed in advertising. And we've got, oh. a, we've got a few entries in that uh, category. Oh, yeah. I forgot we did that. Good. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so let's uh, get into our Oscars segment, though. And uh, let's just call it Commercials in the News Oscars edition. Commercials in the news. All right. Well, as I alluded to earlier, ad counselor Aaron posted this question to the Facebook group during the Oscars. She wrote, is the Oscars the new Super Bowl of commercials? Well, according to someone named Sarah Lofren Dahmer, who's a marketing professor at Georgia Tech, Uh, that's exactly what they are. She wrote a piece called The Oscars May Be the New Super Bowl of Advertising. (laughs) So right on the nose. So right on the nose there. As a matter of fact, thanks to Counselor Tyler for uh, posting that link. Um, And she just wrote a quick few graphs on this. I think the idea was like uh, you could book her on your uh, talk radio show if you wanted to have her explain it more. We didn't do that. Uh, But I will uh, summarize what she wrote. She said she points out that the cost of an Oscars ad, when you look at cost per thousands, it's actually pricier to place an ad during the Oscars. So think about it this way. I see your face getting all screwed up here, right? So a 30-second Super Bowl ad, $4.5 million. 30-second Oscar ad, only $1.95 million. So less than half the cost. But the Super Bowl reaches far, far, far many more people. The Oscars doesn't have that far of a reach. Oh, so per thousand yet, people. So per thousand people. So basically the Super Bowl, if I'm just going to keep on throwing numbers out here because every radio professor I ever had said that use numbers a lot on the air. Uh, the Super Bowl, if you wanted to reach a thousand people. radio professors. I did have radio professors. Uh, to reach a thousand people in the Super Bowl, you're basically paying 39, 30, 39 bucks per thousand per people. Okay. Oscars, you're paying 45 bucks per thousand people that you're Wow, reaching. the Super Bowl sounds like a steal now. I know. Now, you want to run an ad for this podcast in the Super Bowl <laughs> next year? Um, we're going to have to have a fundraiser for that. So anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. She points that out. And then she also kind of says that... the. And by the way, I read other places, too, that in the past, I didn't know this, maybe because I'm so not sexist, but um, I guess people kind of traditionally called the Oscars kind of like in advertising circles, like the Super Bowl for women when it came to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've heard that. The um, the audience of the Oscars is far more female than the Super Bowl, which is far more male. And um, and this is the, the most interesting thing I think she points out, that research shows that while the Super Bowl is a good place to kind of, you know, put your best commercials on display, if you actually want to get people to actually buy your product or service, the Oscars are the better place. You have a much better payoff for um, getting people to take action during the Oscars. Let's call it what it is. Fewer drunks. You think it's you think it's fewer drunks? I think it's fewer drunks. I think it's fewer parties, fewer snacks. I think it's something that people, you know, getting up and I think there's like during the Super Bowl, there's um it's a more social event. I'm not saying no one ever throws an Oscar party. Obviously they do, but it's not as much of a thing, right? But what like, does it have to do if you run a Cadillac ad during the Super Bowl? It's about it's about paying, it's about attention. I think people like more than the Oscars, don't you think that during a Super Bowl party, people are kind of like, oh, the commercials are on, everybody shut up. I think they're watching the commercials, but they're doing it in a social way hmm. versus the way that commercials actually work on your brain, which is you're sitting there passively letting the letting the commercial do its work on you. Like, I think, yes, people do focus on and pay attention to the Super Bowl ads, but it's such a performative thing with the Super mm-hmm. Bowl where, like, everybody's vying to have that story the ne- that like that second and third day kind of earned media mm-hmm. on it versus um the way commercials actually work in the normal world and in in normal times which is you're sitting there passively watching TV an ad for uh Sprint comes on and without thinking about it you're absorbing that messaging versus like discussing like everybody becomes the ad council one day a year uh, when hmm. the Super Bowl is on, do you think um, maybe that that's the changing. demographics? Maybe that's changing now that it's becoming quote the new Super Bowl of ads. But I think historically that that's why it is a better buy for your money. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that it is more women who are watching the Oscars? Do you think there's any breakdown? I'm just like from shooting I mean, from it's the an interesting here. question. Like how do how do men versus women respond to 
uh, product marketing. I'm sure there are I'm sure there are countless studies and and research on that. I don't know that I've ever seen anything that says men and women fundamentally like view and uh, consume marketing in a different way, but it would be interesting to know. Well, I read something um, that said women's brains are softer and mushier and therefore more susceptible and the size. to influence and two thirds the size. Yeah, I was reading that on um, a website called Reddit. Yeah. Uh, great, a lot of, lot of great commentary there, by the way, if you really want to get engaged with a. Uh, with uh, a community. Um, so let's talk about the first ad that I kind of saw buzzing around in actual headlines. And it's um, from the New York Times, as a matter of fact. Uh, I opened up my New York Times Sunday paper this Sunday at a taco shop, in case you're trying to kind of picture me opening up the newspaper like an old man. And there was this huge one full page ad all white with just the the black um large font that you'd f- be familiar with from the New York Times kind of their iconic font um and by the way this was placed n- on a page opposite of two articles that were talking about president trump's basic war on the press um and this huge page just says, the truth is hard. The truth is hidden. The truth must be pursued. The truth is hard to hear. The truth is rarely simple. The truth isn't so obvious. The truth is necessary. It goes on and on and on. And then the last one says, the truth is more important now than ever. And it just says the New York Times. Well, that obviously stood out to me just as a print ad as being very kind of stark and uh, and, and, and something that is on everybody's minds right now. Uh, but I didn't realize that it was being printed in, um, I guess, kind of connection to a broader campaign that also uh, has a, a TV component. I don't I can't remember ever seeing a New York Times television commercial. I have. Oh, yes. The old one from the 90s. It was like you would just kind of see the paper in a mug of coffee or something like that. Right. I have definitely seen newspaper ads. I'm pretty sure that some of the ones I've seen are the New York Times, and they have been nicely produced, but kind of forgettable, really just selling mm-hmm. the idea of like, you know, uh, the New York Times, or maybe it was, I don't know, it must have been there. Who else would do a national advertising campaign? It could be the Post, but yeah, it was maybe probably the Post. It was probably but the I think Times. it was the Times. I think I remember one now. And, and yeah. I'm, I, yeah, Ad Council, uh, if you can find them, send them our way. But I'm pretty sure that they have done national oh, TV advertising before. Yeah, that I've seen. Oh, they've definitely aired them. I was just saying, I don't know if I've ever seen one before, but now I think I have. But I mean, that kind of plays into this because Donald Trump um, heard that the New York Times was going to be running a commercial in during the Oscars, kind of similar. Similar to that ad I just read from the paper, and he tweeted out, I'm sorry that I have to actually read Donald Trump's words on this podcast. This should be a safe space, but here it is. For the first time, the failing New York Times will take an ad, a bad one, to help save its failing reputation. Try reporting accurately and fairly. Um, Well, that's – sit down, everybody. You're going to be surprised here. That's inaccurate and what I would call bullshit, because as we said, and everybody has confirmed it, the New York Times has run commercials before. It's never run a commercial during the Oscars before. Yeah. So I'm sure that he saw some sort of headline and just... Uh, they're smart. They're smart to do that. I mean, there couldn't be an audience more uh, ripe for their messaging and, than but, the Oscars And audience. if Donald Trump wants to, like, not help the New York Times, like, don't tweet this out. That's why this commercial, above any other commercial, got so much attention. Because the President of the United States is tweeting out about bad commercial, I mean, unfair, he's, he's bad, the, bad. he is the living embodiment of the Streisand effect. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, I think it's an interesting ad. The reason I went on so long about the print ad is because this is so clearly associated with that. Have you seen this ad yet? No. So it's going to be I did kinda, not do any homework. It's going to be hard to describe this one but um it actually I mean I like it because it is you're going to hear a lot of cool audio mixing in this and you're going to hear I don't know the if the award for best sound editing goes to For my money, yeah. Uh you're going to hear a bunch of people saying things that you might just kind of overhear them saying on a bus or something like that. And it's clearly it's a montage. I'm not sure if the audio we're hearing is actually pulled from news reports and stuff like that, or if this was just something crafted in a studio. But while you're hearing these um, these sentences people are saying, you're also seeing them printed out on a plain white screen 
in the corner with, again, that New York Times font just sit, printing out what they're saying. But instead of being like the Trump, the, the truth is important and all these things, they're a little they're all over the place. They're people's opinions on things. Um, I'll, I'll just I'll uh, I'll let you hear it. So just keep in mind while you're listening to these voices, you're just seeing a plain white screen with uh, the quotes put up on the page. So uh, let's take a listen to this. The truth is our nation is more divided than ever. The truth is alternative facts are just the plain delusional. Is, the media needs to be held accountable. The truth is locker room talk is harmless. The truth is we need to put the safety of the American people. The truth is we need a full investigation of any type of corruption. Says the truth is hard to find to know the truth is more important now than ever the New York Times and you see Genevieve it's very hard to describe and I, I did a bad job of it but while people are saying these kind of inflammatory quotes the you're seeing quotes that are related to it but not dead uh, and, and on off, what they're saying or in some cases contradicting what right. they're saying like um, the truth is at one point I think they say I don't remember what it's paired up against but at one point it says the truth is women should dress like women which was famously right. something that was uh that was a, like a white house i'm i may be slightly misremembering but it was it came out of the trump white house uh about how women should dress for work at the white house so um yeah i'm, I'm googling here uh, donald trump's directive that female s- staff should dress like women and so it was a bunch of horrifying things like that right. and also some things that we would agree with like the, the the truth is uh the russian ties should be investigated so it was really interesting because it wasn't one consistent this is our truth it was mm. how complicated truth is which the i think truth drives, is messy. the truth is messy the truth is hard and that's their whole message and this idea that uh all sides will be heard uh, in a in a you know, in the New York Times, so pretty impactful ad. I think it's going to be a pretty impactful campaign. Um, a thousand times, an infinite number more times more impactful because Trump can't get is off Twitter. Trying to kick it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the idea of politics were huge in the Oscars this year, more than the Super Bowl, I would say. You and I were trying to parse out kind of how the Super Bowl ads were kind of on the zeitgeist. And of course, you had the 84 lumber thing about the wall. But for the most part... Pretty weak tea. Right. Yeah. Just... it was really hard to kind of see what the general vibe or to say what the general vibe of the uh, the Super Bowl ads were. I think it's pretty clear that as far as these big, high-profile debut ads that we saw during the Oscars or that other people that, saw during the Oscars. A person. <laughs> and that the, the unroyal we saw during the Oscars. Um, <laughs> oh, I wish we could call this episode the unroyal we. <laughs> uh, there was definitely more of a kind of a political theme. I'm going to uh, go to this Audible uh, ad. Now, if you don't know what Audible is, it's a it's a audio service that is now owned by Amazon. Originally, it was kind of like you subscribe to it and you can listen to basically any book on tape. But now it's well beyond that. And we actually have friends who work for Audible now. They're kind of creating almost a, their own podcast division that you stream through their service. It's yeah, they've really become cool. a content provider in a big way. Also, New York Times uh, tie in there. I think they have a, a partnership with the New York Times. So anyway, um, you had Amazon, which was featured in the uh, in the awards as well, just as the producer of Manchester by the Sea, worth noting, that's that. Amazon movie. And here you had these uh, ads for Audible, and you had one of Claire Danes, and you see here it's like bl- both of these are black and white, and this one is Claire Danes in a studio, single shot, and she is just reading from uh, Le Miserable. I can never say it. Nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, and then you have another one with your boy, um, uh, Zachary Quinto, reading from 1984. These are both, of course, um, uh, books that kind of deal with social justice in some way or big government and, and scary times. And so let's listen to the Claire Danes one Autocracy first. and revolution. Society is to blame for not providing free public education. And society will answer for the obscurity it produces. If the soul is left in darkness, sins will be committed. The guilty party is not he who has sinned, but he who created the darkness in the first place. And then it just says audible. I said single shot. It's not single shot. There's a few shots, but it's very simply shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's uh, Quinto, and he's uh, reading from 1984.
If he were allowed contact with foreigners, he would discover that they are creatures similar to himself and that most of what he had been told about them is lies. The sealed world in which he lives would be broken and the fear, hatred, and self-righteousness on which his morale depends might evaporate. Wow, they couldn't have chosen more pointed uh, I know, passages, right? They? And all and like not your obvious like quotes. Not that I can just like kind of quote 1984 off the top of my head right now, but you could go with something that would be kind of a lot more obvious. Yeah, there are buzzwords in in yeah. in 1984 that are more recognizable that you would that someone could listen to and know it was 1984. That uh, could could have been you know. Something nonfiction. Now, those I like. They're simple. They speak to the product. And they are pointed, I think. But not... But you can't really... If you're a Trump supporter or something, you can't take that much offense to them. I mean, they're just reading great works of fiction, right? Don't don't sell... Right. The Trump supporters. I'm sure. actually not even sure those books exist. <laughs> um, now, here's one from Cadillac. God, even when Cadillac tries to do something different, I just hate Cadillac commercials so goddamn much. This one feels to me not not realizing a moment in the culture and then saying something about it. I mean, I, I, I know they think they're doing it here, but to me, and maybe this is just crusty old Andrew, this just seems so opportunistic to me and and also exploitative. Let's take a listen to this. So uh, this is an ad for Cadillac, um, and it starts with uh, a bunch of black and white shots. I think it's actual stock footage uh, from 1960s era civil rights protests, right? And then you'll hear the narration. The narration goes through this whole thing. Um, You hear a tone change in the narration, and then the stock footage uh, it comes into color. It's no longer just the 1960s. We start to see more hopeful uh, moments of humanity from uh, stock, not stock footage, but news footage throughout the years. I might have to pause it to explain what's happening, but let's give this a shot. We are a nation divided. That's what they tell us, right? This chasm between us. But what they don't tell you what doesn't make the news? Listen to that music. Is this? As he says, "This," you see a uh, black man, a young man, hugging a white police officer. By the way, I don't think any of that's footage from the '60s. Now that I look at it, you're right. I it's think it's black that- and white, but it's black and white footage of the recent marches. I think you're right. I was reading this somewhere, and they described it as footage from the '60s. I think it's supposed to be evocative of that. We carry each other forward. You see soldiers uh, carrying wounded soldiers. You see uh, Olympians helping special Olympians. Cops hugging other cops, which... Did anyone think cops don't already like cops? Did you? I thought you were just making a joke. Did we actually just see? That's a cop? literally one of the scenes when he says they. T- uh, but but we have more. Whenever he says like we have more in common, it's it's a cop hugging another cop. I thought that it's was a just... black cop hugging a white cop. Oh, the, only the white cops in uniform. I didn't assume that oh, the other guy was a cop. I wait. think it was just. Sorry, go back. I thought he was wearing. What uniform. doesn't make the news is this. Is this? Oh, I stand corrected. He was wearing similar colors to the right. Cop. So anyway, let's let's go back to the beginning. But basically, I think that it, it it's taking advantage of this kind of protest moment. But then it just turns into this like this hopeful message that I find to be both kind of pandering and like I say, exploitative. We are a nation divided. That's what they tell us, right? This chasm between us. But what they don't tell you. What doesn't make the news is this. We carry each other forward. No matter who we are, or what we believe, or where we come from, we've had the privilege to carry a century of humanity. Here we're seeing the old footage from the 60s. Sorry that actually that looks like wrong. it might be post-World War II. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Lovers. We see Marilyn Monroe with her car. We see Muhammad Ali with his car. Fighters. Leaders. But maybe what we carry isn't just people. It's an idea. That while we're not the same, we can be one. And all it takes is the willingness to dare. 
It says Cadillac Dare Greatly. I legitimately hate that commercial. So do I. I mean, is it just, is this a good commercial that doesn't speak to us because it's trying to walk the line a little bit and maybe appeals more to people who are like, yeah, Trump, like, eh. Not so bad. Like you and I are just like so in the trenches All of right. on, on the other side of that. It's true. We're in the trenches, but I defy anyone who marched on uh, on February on January twenty first, which much of that footage was taken from, to see themselves in that ad. Right. That ad, I think, opportunistic is exactly the right word. It is Cadillac uh, piggybacking on. Uh, anything that they think might sell one more car. It was just a, a mishmash, you know, shit show of a bunch of stuff that like feels nice and, oh, isn't America great without being have, doing any critical thought. And it and they just don't, they aren't, they are, they are absolutely um, exploiting uh, and and cannibalizing things that are real to people in the name of commerce. And I'm not saying that like, I'm not, you know, we've talked about ads that, that do that. Well, this doesn't do that. Well, this is just, um, everything in the kitchen sink that looks and feels nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sticking a Cadillac logo on. What I like it. about doing this show is I have feelings that I can't find words for. And then you, when you feel the same, <laughs> like you, you said exactly how I felt. I watched that, uh, in a coffee shop today and I couldn't explain well enough why that ad made me so mad other than it felt exploitative to me uh but you you absolutely nailed it and i think also you as somebody who did march on the 21st like can also say this like you're using footage of us to sell your mother fucking cadillacs sorry kids earmuffs but like it just irritates me and i think back as you know i was not alive in the 60s right but when i was a dumb teenager i was just kind of obsessed with 60s culture all the music i liked was this hippy dippy stuff and even then i remember knowing and understanding that there was a real cultural movement afoot that was rooted in real protest for real issues like people dying in Vietnam and people dying in the streets of America because their skin was black. And then there were the people who were just using that as kind of a commercial kind of thing. And you might even... As a, it's a, as a fashion. Right. And and, and, you, like, and that's how Cadillac is wearing yeah. this idea of, uh, you know, United, America united and, you know... You know, hooray for protests. It's just, it's not, it's totally a paint job. Yeah. And it's also, and hey, listen, and maybe this is my, and not that I have a huge bias against Cadillacs. I guess I think they're ugly cars, but we do, we have said on the record how much we just kind of hate, I hate uh, their marketing. Their, their marketing. But it just seems like, especially for a Cadillac, do you know what? Just maybe just stick to the windy roads and just showing a bunch of rich people with expensive watches driving your expensive cars and stop trying to pretend like you're part of a protest movement yeah. when all you, you are not down with the struggle. You Cadillac. are so not down with the struggle, Cadillac. Get at me, Kia! All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's get out now, of politics hey, for a little bit. Okay. And just so that, just so that I'm clear that it's not all about l- hating luxury cars. Um, Audi, who did the ad during the Super Bowl with the little girl and her father telling her, and oh, that yeah. was probably the most political ad. I liked that one. I did too. That's what I'm saying. I think Nick and Rosen were a little bit down on it. Well, I think it took some flack unfairly, not necessarily from them, but I think it kind of generated controversy from people who are still debating whether the wage gap is real. Mm. And like, if you have two brain cells to rub together, um, you know that it is real and you can, and you can, ex- you can see some value in a father of, a, in this case, a white father who obviously has means, uh, means enough to drive an Audi, having this conversation with his daughter who has every, probably has every privilege. Actually having this conversation with himself. Yeah, right. But like in sort of envisioning this, mm-hmm. the way he's going to be raising his daughter who has every privilege except one. Mm-hmm. And I think that is an interesting and memorable And a little bit story, more honest. And a little bit more honest. Yeah. All right, let's leave politics behind because uh, it's time to talk about Avatar. What? You mean that movie from a long time ago that everybody loved at the time, but now everybody acknowledges was awful? (laughs) Turns out it's still a thing. I think they're making a sequel. Did I see that? How about this for uh, a sequel? I am reading directly here from Polygon.com. Uh, it may seem strange for an Avatar theme park to be opening in 2017. By the way, that's the commercial we're about to see. But the Avatar franchise is far from over. Last April, Fox confirmed that uh, Cameron... Uh, uh, what's his first James name? Cameron. James Cameron will direct Avatar 2, Avatar 
three, Avatar 4, and wait for it, Avatar 6. Just kidding, Avatar 5. Over the course of the next six years, they when was when did the first Avatar come out? Do you know off the top of your head? I should look this up. It was probably, two, I want to say 2010, maybe? 2012? Oh, it was 2009. Okay, so we went from 2009 to 2017 without any... We are all doing fine with no avatars. We are doing better. Now, next year, almost 10 years later, we're going to have Avatar 2. But then, in the next six years, we're also going to have 3, 4, and 5. The final one is supposed to come out, uh, I I guess, uh, 2023 or something like that. I thought I had read that somewhere. This is the first time I've been glad that the United States won't exist in a few more years. (laughs) I hated this one. Will you, like... Will you give me credit? I hated that movie the second you we did. left the theater. And I, I don't know how you, you felt about hated it. it. I, you hated it before I ever made you go see it. Uh, I don't know that that's true. It was, I, it was actually my very first 3D movie I ever saw. It was just kind of a cultural moment. Everyone was on about the, you know, amazing effects. And then, you know, you go see it and you're like, oh, this is a story that's been told better, like, in 50 other media. And it was just, like, so about the technology, which, of course, when you build a movie around technology like that, you know that it's just going to look dated in a few years anyway especially in this day and age i stand by i think the best tweet i ever tweeted was i left the theater and i and i wrote cameron should have left that shit airbrushed onto the side of a van where it belonged because that's what it seemed like to me it just seemed like a long boring airbrush painting uh anyway <laughs> the uh apparently disney does not share uh, my reservations about the franchise they are uh opening up in i think disneyland or or i guess disney world orlando they're opening up an avatar world yeah and i have to say of course disney's ads for this world i've seen them on twitter and stuff make it look amazing if it looks even half as good as the ads make it look it would be something to see in real life you know well i don't know if you've seen all this those particular one and everything everybody was talking about this one it aired during the red carpet special which i guess again is just like a prime spot for uh for uh high-priced commercials and this one got so ridiculed i'd like to see if you can point out where, where the ridicule came from. You're going to hear Cameron's voice here. When people visit Pandora, the first thing that hits them is the scope. It's a world. It's the only place where you can fly on a banshee. It's a thrill. You're going to plunge. You're going to dive. You're going to swoop. It's like dreaming with your eyes wide open. I look forward to seeing you on Pandora. Well, not take <laughs> You guys should see the look. Genevieve looks like she just ate a lemon. Uh. It looks like you actually look like that. The ending is so bad, you almost feel bad for it. Like you watching really a do. kid make a fool of himself and you know he's going to get bullied, just so that people know what we're talking about. Because you heard that tape at the beginning of the show, too. What do you call the people in Avatar? Like Avi or something like that? A, the Navi, I the think. The Navi. Well, it's a Navi woman at the end, you know, the blue faced, blue, big blue guys. creature. And she's talking directly into the camera. But. I don't think that Cameron made his technology any better since 2009. If anything, it's too. it looks worse. It looks like she is crawling her way back into the uncanny valley. It is so, and she's looking directly at the camera. She says that, and it is... It's very fake looking. It's very fake and very also, creepy. It freaked a bunch of people out on Sunday. I also wonder what they were thinking having... Now, when you hear Cameron, you, it, it opens on a shot of, of James Cameron sitting there like it's some documentary about his movie that he's talking, that he's kind of, you know, doing a to-the-camera interview about. You don't want James Cameron, old gray-haired James Cameron, in the flesh telling you about this dream, dreamy landscape. It takes you right out of it. You Mm. need the voice of God. You know, where's Morgan Freeman or whoever? Like, you need someone, you need, you know, uh, who does those, the Richard Attenborough, he might be dead, but, you know, like, you need someone who does... Who's got a big uh, nature documentary voiceover who can, you know, do in a world, you know, where islands float in the sky Mm -hmm. and people ride and and Navi ride the Banshee dragons or whatever. Like if they if that's their big play for the Oscar audience, that's a terrible misstep just from a marketing perspective. Love or hate Avatar because 
the whole point, the whole idea is that they're supposed to like pull you in. I've seen better an immersive experience. An immersive experience. Yeah. I've seen better and more compelling ads for that for 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 Pandora on, literally on Twitter. Like just like just little gifts on Twitter. Well, Genevieve, everything you said about the kind of the voice of God and everything makes sense to me. And I'd like to point out that's why we call you the ad doctor. Doctor, doctor, what should I do? Tell me. Doctor, doctor, I'm gonna give you the shoehorn award for this song. What should I do? What should I do? My doll is ill. She has high fever. (laughs) Sorry, that high fever always gets me. Every time I think I'm gonna get sick of it, it's like hearing it anew for the first time. Anyway, that's an awful ad. It does everything wrong, like you say. It, It like. It's not immersive at all. You know, it shows the families walking through it. But then how do you think this whole idea that, like, you're in this world and you get to ride a whatever? Like, I assume that when you walk in, is it going to be just like the Matrix? It's going to be just a bunch of, like, kind of fat American tourists in a white room wearing, like, VR headgear? I don't know how they do this shit, man. I'm not an Imagineer. (laughs) No, you're an ad doctor. Okay, uh, let's see here. A couple more. Um... I don't think it's worth playing the audio for. And Veeves, if you um, weren't watching the Oscars, you probably didn't see this unless you happen to click on it somewhere. Uh, but Rolex did. You know, maybe I'll play this for you just to get your reaction and screw the listeners at home because there's not really good audio for this. But like Rolex did something really cool, I thought, which was they just took clips from movies going back decades and decades. There's always some advertiser who does like something like that right like who who uses the idea that it's the oscars and a celebration of movies but in this case it's just kind of like every time their product was product placed which we think we think of product placement as you know such a um uh, you know, I think it's kind of it a modern phenomenon, as, or or I was going to say a sort of cynical marketing thing. Sort uh-huh. of. I don't, I don't have any problem with product placement, but you know, even sometimes like shows like Thirty Rock when they're doing it, they're making fun of themselves for doing it. Yet when you have a brand like Rolex, which is such a legacy brand and a luxury brand, not unlike Cadillac, Cadillac should have just done this. Right, Cadillac should have just done this. How many times has a Cadillac? shown up in a movie as either a symbol of class or culture or coolness. I can think of four or five off the top of my head. Right. I mean, and yeah. I'll like, bet you they have one in Cadillac, man. And it would be a million times more fun and interesting and and like remind you that what a storied, uh, long-lasting brand Cadillac is. Absolutely. Okay, so most of this, you're going to hear a little bit of voices if what they're saying has something to do with time or their Rolex, but there's also just kind of a montage of these movies. Maybe, Veeves, as you watch, if you recognize them, you can shout them out. Um, but uh, I'm not going to play the whole thing. It's a minute long, but I'm going to stop it uh, on one particular scene, and I want to know what you uh, what you think of it. So it begins Ooh. with Peter Sellers in, I believe, The Pink Panther. Can I just ha- say... I- I had one I just had a great idea for Cadillac ad. Uh yeah. So Doctor. I was doctor. Just, <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, there's that scene in Get Shorty where um John Travolta's character arrives in Los yeah. Angeles and yeah. asks for a Cadillac and they tell him, Oh, you can't have a Cadillac, but you can have this uh whatever it was, the Previa or whatever, mm-hmm. it's the Cadillac of minivans. There must cat the Cadillac of yeah. is such a it's such a known uh like descriptor of things and it must be in hundreds of movies you must be able to find a million examples of something saying someone saying the cadillac of the cadillac of um you know stray dogs the cadillac of health plans the cadillac of silverware you know like you could just you could do there must be half a dozen there must be dozens of examples you have all those clips right and then you just cut to a black screen and the white screen i say white screen black letters who cares the Cadillac logo appears and a voiceover in the text, Cadillac, the Cadillac of cars. Uh, yep. I would. I swear we've either talked about that on the show before. Or, I had that idea before. I, <laughs> I almost thought I had that idea before, but like as a joke, but also maybe we just both saw it somewhere else. I, I just have a feeling we weren't the first ones to come up with that. I would say, though, like at the end, because Cadillac's been doing that like white screen, then just like this black text just kind of kind of floats up there, I would say the Cadillac of automobiles, because I think automobiles is a little bit more like it's got that kind of yeah, luxury whatever. flourish or whatever. But I, I agree. I like that. Uh, let's let's play this Rolex commercial. Again, it starts with Peter Sellers uh, setting his clock. Now we synchronize watches. 
In seven seconds, it will be precisely. One show like that could pull this whole network right out of the whole now, Frank. That fade done away from the network. The American president. Please give me time. It's a Rolex. My brother's watch. Dennis Hopper and something. To see the sad ruin of the great ship sitting here. She landed at 2.30 in the morning. Bill, oh, okay, Bill yeah, Paxton that's why Titanic. I wanted to stop it. So this is a Titanic scene where we see see Bill Paxton. I've never seen Titanic, uh, but he's apparently, like, what? He's he's uh, the guy who's leading, like, the expo- expedition to uh, explore the sunken remains. So we see him there, and he's wearing his Rolex, and, uh, and he's fixing something. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. But... This got mixed reaction on the tweeters. Not to be one of those guys who's going to like, Twitter reacted to this. But I did think it was kind of interesting that people broke in different ways. You had some people who did exactly what you did. Oh, Bill, that's making this all the more kind of poignant. Other people were like, too soon, WTF. I don't think they made this the day of. Right. And I mean, even if it was something that was too soon, like let's say that he didn't die. Let's say that this. Let's say that this ad um, featured somebody who had a huge sex scandal on Saturday night or Sunday morning. I think that they could have found a way to edit around it a little bit. Like, let's just say that like this had uh, Bill Cosby, yeah. right? And then the Bill Cosby thing breaks or whatever or gains traction. You would see uh, Rolex editing it out, but I don't think they should have for Bill Paxton. No, I don't think it was. It's, it's, it, there's no. It's it, it's nothing but a. It's totally neutral when it comes yeah. to to Bill Paxton. I wouldn't even call it a tribute, as some people did. Yeah. I think it was just like it, it was in there, and because he had died the night before, it, it was all the more poignant. But uh, anyway, I thought that was pretty cool, uh, and that's it. That's what I got for the for the Oscars. I bet you a million bucks I'm missing some. Oh, I guess a little shout out. Um, uh, Alexis, an ad counselor, Alexis on Facebook uh, asked everybody if they saw the Google Earth commercial. Now, are you familiar with the movie Lion that was up for Best Picture? The general plot of that. No, I really don't know anything about it. <laughs> you know, embarrassingly, neither did I. Even though we're not Oscars people, we're kind of movie people, which was sort of, I guess. But anyway, um, Lion is the story about a boy who was uh, born in a very small town in India, if I understand Oh, correctly. and he makes his way back. He gets separated from his family. He accidentally falls asleep in a yeah. train car at age five. It's adopted the train by an American couple. And, no, no, an Australian oh, couple. Sorry, Australian uh, couple. And so, you know, and then spends the next 20-some years I do know there. the plot of that yeah. movie. I'd forgotten that it was called Lion. Well, anyway, for those who haven't seen it or don't know, uh, it's about, you know, this boy, like we say, he, he finds himself far, far away and also has very little information about this village that he came from. He remembers sights and smells and stuff like that. Uh, so he uses Google Earth. In the real-life story, he uses Google Earth, and I assume it plays a pretty big role in the film as well, although I haven't seen the film, uh, to um, kind of... I guess he would just spend hours and hours and hours just looking at aerial images on Google Earth and and try to identify little things that reminded him of home that he hadn't seen in 20-some years or something. Well, obviously, that's a great ad for Google Earth. So, I mean, I guess I'll play a little bit of this. It's like over two minutes long. Um, but it's the real Saru um, talking about how he used maps. When I was five years old, I wandered onto an empty train somewhere in India and fell asleep waiting for my brother. When I woke up, I stepped off the train with no idea of how to get back. I described a map of my hometown to the Australian parents who eventually adopted me. But it wasn't until 25 years later that I heard about a tool that might help. Google I Earth. began the search for the family I'd lost, undeterred by the reality of what I was trying to do. Find a family of four in a country of more than a billion. Starting with the first thing I knew, I got off the train at Harris Station, Calcutta. I thought about how long I was on board and worked out my search radius. I didn't speak Bengali, so Bangladesh was out. I remembered looking up at the stars, so I wasn't from a city. I remembered it. So as he's piecing all these puzzle pieces together, you're seeing how it's um, 
kind of how it looks on Google Earth and how certain areas are. He's narrowing uh, it he's down. He's narrowing it down, and I mean, just the the visuals on this are pretty stunning. I think, and it's just a super super interesting story, and it's just like built for Google Earth. I yeah. almost wondered, like, did Google underwrite the movie Lion? Because they probably should have. They made him get on that train 25 years ago. <laughs> That's, it's what you call a long con. Uh, all right, so those are all of the commercials um, that I had seen related to the Oscars. I'm sure I'm missing some, like I said before, so uh, you can write in and we'll hit them up in the uh, ad council next week. How yeah, let sound? us know what, uh, what stood out to you. And speaking of ad council... <laughs> Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying Only the echoes of my mind All right, Veeves, what is in the ad council this week? You mentioned uh, people were bringing their portmanteau game. Yeah, it's egg sandwiches in the house. Um, <laughs> but before uh, we get to that, I do want to uh, acknowledge a correction. Thank you to listener Courtney. Uh, last week, I think I said that uh, Southwest Airlines was terrible and that uh, their CEO had even acknowledged that they were terrible and that uh, that was not that being terrible, which is part of their strategy. Uh, I stand by my belief that Southwest is pretty terrible. I do not like flying them unless I absolutely have to. But Courtney is right. I was thinking, I was confused. I was confusing Southwest with Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, even lower. Which budget, is yeah. right, which is total bottom of the barrel. Uh, and famously, just, you know, it is it is the rock bottom price, but you're, you are, they have the smallest seats in the industry. Every single thing from your from your bag to a cup of water is an extra charge. I mean, it's just really... Really, uh, you know, treating air travel like bus travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's right. Uh, apparently, CEO, former CEO Ben Baldanza bragged about how much passengers hated his airline, but basically said, well, they'll come crawling back to us if we can save them a penny. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I did think it was interesting. I don't necessarily agree with all the arguments that were being made, but our conversation about um, the Southwest commercial actually, and then us saying how much we would we don't use that airline at all. A lot. Did you see the whole thread? Yeah. A lot of people came to the defense and said, you know, it worked for our budget. Uh, for business travel, I wouldn't do it, but for families, having that flexibility is good. So there's a lot of people who I was surprised, like, I figured even people who fly Southwest would be like, yeah, I have to do it, but I hate it. But a lot of people were actually defending it. So I think it's about what's important to you. Um, and for me, I know that it's all built into, I know that the reason that airlines like Southwest and to an even greater extent Spirit are able to charge less is that they, that you, you pay for those things in the ticket of of bigger airlines. Um, for me, I, you know, if I if I can afford at all to fly on a bigger carrier, uh, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Baldanza was um, used to be the CEO, and he famously he he was very unorthodox and said all kinds of crazy things. He did famously did an AMA on Reddit where he kind of took questions about like this attitude that they have, this sort of corporate attitude that they have about like, well, you know, our thing is low prices and everything else is not important to us. Um, but he was forced out last year, so maybe that that uh, uh, that strategy kind of found its limit. The cat just went in my closet. Now I'm worried she's going to pee in there. I know it's unrelated to what you're talking about, but I just wanted to bring people into my world for a second. All right. Uh, well, we just got a couple more here, and then we can go uh, uh, excavate her. Clean the closet. Yeah. Mm. Um, so this is on the portmanteau's feedback. We had a few listeners write in with things that ones that we missed, um, and I want to say thank you to that. Uh, thanks to listener Nick, uh, who reminded us about the subway flatiza. A fl- yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, get, keep that handy. Flatiza. I've never even heard of that. It's like a subway flatbread, but with like pizza ingredients on it. But a, flat, a flatbread is often pizza ingredients. I I mean, obviously, I'm no sorry. One's, I no know. one's defending it, least right. of all Nick, who writes, it's like if Papa John started selling something called the bread witch. <laughs> I'll give him one of these for that. I like that. <laughs> Uh, listener Chris reminded us of one of my favorites. Maybe don't get the buzzer ready for this one. Uh, the taste of Lyman. I love. Right. I love oh, yeah. Lyman. I, I love the taste Gr- of Lyman. Growing up, I think uh, uh, cats <laughs> which are is the just called now. sugar and citrus. Right, but do you remember what I loved most about it was? I'm pretty sure they created a Lyman. Like it didn't have a green skin like a lime and a yellow inside, or vice versa. Maybe. Well, I don't know if they ever did any Franken food creations, but the, I think they the, did. The ads all featured a picture. Uh, you know, a, a simulated picture of a half green, half yellow. Oh, okay, that's what I'm thinking Lyman. of. Yes, yes, yes. Oh no, I don't. Th- I wasn't saying that they actually created the thing. I just meant they created an 
image of the thing. Oh, well, the image of the thing is half a half green, half yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Line. I really, I, I like that. I'm looking online for it. And that was definitely, I'm sorry, I'm looking up Sprite. Was that Sprite or 7-Up? That was Sprite. Oh, okay. Um, and then finally, uh, this is a good one. This is from listener Robert. Uh, Virgin Mobile had a campaign um, for something called Christmas Hana Kwanzaa. And if you want to play the ad, it has a cute song. It's okay if you're a Muslim, a Christian, or a Jew. It's okay if you're agnostic and you don't know what to do. An all-inclusive celebration. No contractual obligation. Happy Christmas on a to you. And pagans, too. <laughs> In some ways, we're all monkeys. Well, maybe just a smidgen. I'm a Scientologist. That's kind of a religion. <laughs> Whose faith is the right one? It's anybody's guess. What matter most is camera phone for $20 less. And there's never any hidden fees. So what a joyous day. No commitments means I'm proud to go both ways. Happy Edgy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then a little tiny Tim at the end who falls over. Twenty dollars off and no contracts. It's a holiday for all of us. Wow. Do you remember I that? No, I don't. But man, that's a pretty edgy commercial. I love, I mean, taking a shot at Scientology and then having the little elf in a kind of a feet voice saying, I'll go either way. Yeah. That's oh, I, great. I kind of like it. Thank you so much for uh, for reminding me of that one. And then to wrap up here, this is from listener Jennifer, and I just thought this was such a such a funny story, and I've seen it several times from different corners of Facebook, people unrelated mm-hmm. to each other. Um, she says, "Portmanteau being on my mind a little too much caused me to hear Neil deGrasse Tyson described on Wait Wait Don't Tell Me as a Cosmo sexpert. Um, of course, he was actually introduced as a Cosmos expert." I was actually a little disappointed. So several people. So apparently, the, this the the story that I've heard, and I didn't listen to Wait Wait this week was um, they were talking about uh, Cosmos sex or magazine sex quizzes as part of the quiz. Yes, earlier in a different segment. Earlier in a different segment, and, and then, then they, they tossed to break, and they said coming up. Yeah, and they introduced Neil deGrasse Tyson, famous astrophysicist, as a cosmos expert but many people and i don't think it's just people who heard our show although that would be nice um heard cosmo sexpert right so my question i think they did you think it's intentional yes they're that clever i didn't get to hear it but yes i almost i almost well i was gonna say almost guaranteed but they played it cool apparently yeah i feel like that's a a little peter say peter sagel was hosting i have a feeling he probably just threw that in there and i'm sure the writers kind of knew that that would be like a little fun hidden joke well i think it was fun what do you think what do you what are your 50 50 i yeah i mean i i i guess so i just i you know what i no offense to some offense to wait wait i guess but i find it hard to believe that they could let it lie as just a (laughs) without kind of acknowledge like celebrating their own witticism you can sell anything you can really learn a lesson from me as far as letting jokes lie, Berker Derbs. <laughs> um, all right, we got to get out of here. A reminder to everybody, so much of today's show is based on conversations that we saw in the Facebook group, which is a the state of the Facebook group. It's fantastic. Is strong. Yeah, we're still getting a few new members each week. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Um, fight it out fight it out in the Facebook group and then we'll kick you out Uh, so just look for after these messages show in Facebook and it's an interactive group you send us an invite and we'll accept you also you can email us at after these messages show at gmail.com and V if you want to hit them with the voicemail 607-444-5597 again that's 607-444-5597 we'll talk to you guys next Tuesday (laughs) 